And now it's time for Rod and Reel Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio. Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Well, Mark Larson, thank you very much, and Southern California, welcome to another Sunday edition to Ron Real Radio. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you dialing in tonight. It's Father's Day. I hope you have enjoyed a great weekend with your dad. Whether he is with you or not, one way that you were able to remember him and go out and do something honoring his memory. Hey, I am Hopalong John, and we got a great show for you tonight. Let me just go over it real quickly. You know, this last week at Lake Havasu, it was a Spro All Frog tournament, and we have tournament director Justin Lukaitis with us to tell us exactly how that worked out. And then later on in the show at the six o'clock hour, Captain Jason Reese, owner and operator of the High Count Sport Fishing out of Point Loma Sport Fishing. Hey, if you pick up this week's cover of Western Outdoor News, Jason, his crew, and uh, some of his clients are on the cover with those great fish that they caught last week. We're going we're gonna to go over how, just exactly how Jason did this and uh, talk about maybe how we can help you catch some of those bluefin that are out there. But before we get going, let me introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real Radio. She is the national sales manager for Iserline and a pretty good outdoor enthusiast in her own right, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Happy Father's Day to you, John, and to all of our listeners. Hey, thank you very much, Wendy. Uh, you know, I am still... You know, I have the pleasure that my dad is still with me, 95 years old, and probably listening to the show right now. So, Dad, happy Father's Day, and we want to wish a happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Hey, one of the fathers that isn't with us is Stan Vandenberg. Even as we speak, he is probably down in Cabo San Lucas and enjoying an adult beverage overlooking the harbor. So, Stan, happy Father's Day to you. We're going to miss you, but we look forward to you being on with us in a couple of weeks. Wendy, let's get on to our first guest. He was the tournament director for the Spro All-Frog Tournament at Lake Havasu last week. He's on with us now. We've kind of been following it. It's Justin Lukaitis from Lake Havasu. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. How are you doing? Hey, we are doing great. I know we are warm here in Southern California, but you picked a great time to have your frog tournament because 
compared to the temperatures that you're probably having there today, the frog tournament was a was a cool day in winter almost. Yeah, we really sandwiched it between uh, probably the two best weekends we could have. The weekend before we were hitting 118, 120, and this weekend I've been sitting on the, the pool all afternoon and. I think we're around 120 this weekend too and last weekend i think we had a top of about 103 so it really ended up being a great day a lot of fish caught um 106 teams we ended up with and we didn't weigh a single dead fish so uh hats off to awesome. all the anglers for their fish care that is awesome hey for a lot of people that don't know the format of the event why don't you lay out for us exactly what the fishermen had to do in order to fish this event yeah, what we made them do is they were only allowed to use spro frogs, and the frogs had to stay stocked. They were allowed to open the hooks. They could add a rattle. They could add a split ring if they want. And along with that, they also had to take all of their tackle out of their boat except for spro frogs. And we go through and we do a very thorough boat check. All compartments have to be open. And uh, it, it really levels the playing field, and everyone just had an absolute blast. Wow. Now, you know, tell us a little bit about how this tournament evolved for you in Lake Havasu, because you mentioned that you had 106 teams in this event, and that is almost unheard of for a fishing event, at Lake, especially at Lake Havasu. You know, it, it really is. The first year that we did this four years ago, I think we were somewhere in the 50s, and then the next year we hit 98. The year after that, we were at 102. This year we were at 106, and, and it just keeps going up. And I think everybody's gotten to know, you know, it, it's one of those tournaments that it's going to be a large turnout. It's 100% payback thanks to Spro and everything that they do, as well as all the other great sponsors. And uh, overall, it's, it's just a phenomenal event. It's a fun event. I, I kind of wish I didn't run it. I wish I could fish it. <laughs> you know, you know, Justin, and we hear that from so many of the San Diego anglers that went to Lake Havasu to fish it. They said they had a great time. Your sponsors are fantastic sponsors. Uh, they they have fun checking in. The tournament is a ball. And then also afterwards, even though you may have not placed in the final standings, everyone has a good time at this event. Absolutely. And the guys showing up, you know, the guys that came out and fished, thanks to Anderson, Toyota, uh, John and J.J. Gibbs with Gibbs Propeller there in Havasu, both those two companies, that Anderson Toyota provided dinner for all the teams on Friday night before. John and J.J. Gibbs provided sandwiches for all the teams on Saturday. Spro gave, I think, four frogs away, two shirts, a bunch of stickers. And pretty much the guys got two meals plus about, you know, 80 to to $100 in tackle to, and shirts and clothing and everything else, all for a $200 entry. Well, you know, that's the big thing. A $200 entry makes it reasonable for everybody and i think what you see in this tournament is one of the things that i saw by going over the list of participants there's a lot of people that come out that are not necessarily tournament fishermen but come out to fish this event absolutely we, we get a lot of guys and not just from you know around central arizona we had a team guy flying down from oregon we had a team drive over from texas uh, we had some teams from northern california some guys from utah we draw a lot of guys out for this event that aren't don't normally come down and just fish, you know, your normal weekend team tournaments. Wow. Now, tell us a little bit about the event, uh, what the parameters, where the fishermen can fish. How do you how do you set off 106 teams? Because that's a pretty big event here for anybody in the uh, southwest. 
Well, first off, I, I got to give a lot of props, not just the, you know, the support teams and the guys that helped me run this event, um, but also the fishermen. You know, we started boat check at 3 o'clock in the morning. All the anglers were told that they would be, uh, boat check would close at 4.30 so we could make sure everyone was blasting off the minute it was safe to see across the lake. Everybody was through boat check. We had 106 boats completely checked within about an hour and 15 minutes in the water, ready to go. And, uh, you know, they, they take off. They're allowed to fish anywhere that they can get to by boat. As long as it's open, permitted fishing waters, they can go heading from Parker Dam to Davis Dam. I know some guys that had talked about going up to Laughlin. I don't know if they made that run because I guess the river flows were a little bit low. Yes. Uh, along with all the backwaters that Havasu has, you have the Bill Williams River, um, the main lakes. I, I know a guy, there was one team, he, the guy, I think he read 11 or 12 pounds. He weighed all smallmouth fish in main lake points. Holy mackerel. You know, and this is unusual because Havasu hasn't been known as a, a super productive frog area. So the idea of just going out there with one lure had to be kind of intimidating to some guys. But it seems like with the results that you're getting from this tournament, uh, you know, they had really nothing to fear. They, they really don't. And, you know, while it's it's one lure, a spro hollow belly frog, you know, spro makes such a wide range of great baits that they've got everything they can cover. You can try to imitate a czar spook, a pop bar, a frog, anything that they want to fish. They, spro really has them covered with a hollow belly bait line. Wow. Now tell us a little bit about what did happen uh, during the tournament because I've got a lot of questions about the way and some of the fish that were caught. Uh, well, first off, the team that won it was Chris Crisius and Richard Sane. Uh, they brought in, they had 20 pounds, 9 ounces. That was anchored by an 8-pound, 10-ounce largemouth that they actually caught on a frog over, over some of that man-made structures that they have at Havasu. That was also a big fish of the tournament that they received a Daiwa patchula rod and reel, a Daiwa hat, a Daiwa buff, along with $7,220 in cash. Um, as I mentioned, some of the guys, they were, you know, I know one team that, they weighed 11, 12 pounds, you know, all smallmouth, catch it off main link points. Uh, there were guys, I had guys run all the way to the back of Topak. I had guys run to the Bill Williams. Some guys were fishing grass mats. Some guys were just fishing tule mats. And other guys were just throwing them through pencil toolies. Now, how unusual is it to see uh, smallmouth being caught on a frog? It seems like we never saw that a few years ago. Now, all of a sudden, the smallmouth are becoming more and more aggressive for the topwater and especially eating the frog? Or was this just a misconception and they've been doing it all along? Uh, I started catching smallmouth on the sprawl frogs probably about three, four years ago, uh, pretty regularly. Smallmouth, as, as I'm sure you know, they, they really started taking off in Havasu probably 10, 12 years ago, and they've almost become a predominant, a predominant fish that people target for most tournaments year-round now. Uh, especially in the wintertime months, and, and they're just they're getting so large, they, they almost weigh more than what the largemouth do. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the fishery itself. Uh, there was a time when uh, people thought that the um, striped bass were going to take over, that it was going to really hurt the largemouth uh, bass population and also the smallmouth bass population, because there was a time when fishing that lake was tough, for any type of, of, of bass other than stripers. Now it seems like the, the stripers have died down a little bit, that you are finding more and more prominence for the smallmouth. Yet, are the smallmouth, do you think, squeezing out the largemouth? Because in this event, 
there was a largemouth bass that took the big fish. I I think you know that your largemouth are still going to weigh you know weigh the most as far as you know for your larger to get get the big fish award of a tournament. Um, I think the smallmouth have really taken over and pushed the stripers out more than they have largemouth, and the largemouth and smallmouth have kind of merged and almost found a happy medium. I know there's a lot of spots that you used to be able to go to and catch a ton of largemouth off of that now you can't get bit off a largemouth, but they're loaded with smallmouth. So I think they're starting to find that happy medium with that. Uh, the release boat that John Galbraith, the Bass Tackle Master, runs up there, allowing us to spread the fish out across the lake and not leave them stationed in one area. The habitat program that Anglers United uses, as well as just the fish care that, that tournament fishermen have come along to, to really begin to do. And, and not only that, but the boat manufacturers and the way that they're able to take care of the fish we don't see we don't see the mortality rates that we've seen in years past. Um, you know, I remember growing up there when I was a kid. If you caught a limit of fish, you got a limit. You know, and <laughs> to see what that fishery is now is just phenomenal. Well, you know, my hats off uh, to you, the other tournament organizations, John Galbraith for really spiffing up that release boat. The fact that the fishermen, first of all, have enough care to bring in the fish in good enough condition that each and every one of them is alive, especially caught on a frog or a topwater bait, that they uh, uh, catch and cull them in their live wells, bring them to the, the weigh station, you weigh them, bring them back to the uh, live release boat. That's a lot of handling, yet 100% of the fish that get into that release boat that was in your tournament got in there alive. Uh, much kudos to you. Well, uh, it's, it's it's not all me, John. It's it's the anglers. I got to give all that props for anglers. You know, I'm as the tournament director. I'm only handling those fish for a couple minutes, and those guys have those fish in their live wells for anywhere from eight nine hours on to you know on throughout the day for you know an hour to eight hours. So all, all the all the credit for fish care really goes to those anglers. You know, we had uh, talked about the largest uh, uh, largemouth, but. How about the, uh, did you get an opportunity to weigh a large smallmouth? I know a lot of times when there's a big bag of fish come in, the only thing that you can do is you, you weigh the largest fish, and there could be a large smallmouth in there that never gets to the scale. But did you have a large uh, smallmouth come to the scale? I think the largest one that I saw was probably in the neighborhood of three to four pounds. Um, the guys that had the smallmouth women, like I said, they didn't weigh it. They didn't weigh a big fish. They chose not to. But there was a couple of them. I made sure I looked in every bag just to see what we had. And, and there was there was probably a half a dozen or so smallmouth that were in the three- to four-pound range. Right. I have a now, question. Yeah, go on, Wendy. Wendy. So what was the hot color? <laughs> well, I, I can't tell you what the hot color was that everybody was throwing, um, not because I don't want to, just because I, I don't overly know. But I can tell you that one of the frogs that every team got was – Bro came out, as, as I'm sure you're aware of, they've had out for a couple years now a color called Killer Gill, and they brought that out in the King Daddy, and every team got one of those Killer Gill frogs in the King Daddy, and I can't tell you how many people were wanting to know if I had extras. Wow, that uh, that King Daddy is the largest frog that Spro makes. They uh, uh, make uh, two sizes of regular frogs, and then they make uh, two sizes of popper frogs, and then they have what they call a glide shad, which is a frog that you can you can skip and you can work a lot like a czar spook. So uh, was there any, uh, you know, did you hear anything about 
you know, which one of the styles of frog, or do you think uh, maybe everyone was going for the fences with the King Daddy? I think a lot of people were going for the fences with the King Daddy. Uh, I know the guys that won, they mentioned that they caught their biggest fish on the King Daddy. Um, I know a lot of fish were caught on just the regular Bronze Eye 64, just that original Spro Bronze Eye that they came out with. You know, a lot of people don't want to go away from that. And they also have that Spro Bronze Eye Jr. that I think a lot of the guys that were catching smallmouth on them were throwing just because the smallmouth have those smaller mouths and it's a lot easier to get that hook penetration. Right. And, and just tell us quickly, uh, you know, uh, throwing uh, a, a frog there at Lake Havasu, uh, tell us about the, uh, uh, the type of gear and uh, what, how the fish rig up to throw a, a frog, especially and a lot of the uh, debris that you have that you're fishing at Lake Havasu. Well, it's, it's really a wide range. You know, a lot of guys, they're throwing anywhere from a six and a half to a, a seven, seven and a half foot medium to medium heavy action rod, something with a real light tip that they can, they can get good action with, you know, if they're trying to walk the bait. Uh, if they're throwing it out over open water, I know a lot of guys were throwing just on regular 20-pound monofilament. And a lot of guys that, that throw it back in the in the toolies and and really try to skip it and get it back in the garbage that they have up there, you know, they're throwing it on 65, 80-pound braid. All right. And then and then another key factor for that, obviously, you know, is, is a very high-speed ratio reel because a lot of times on that frog you're going to get bit pretty quick and you got a lot of line you got to catch up. Justin, I, I know that we uh, are here to speak about the frog uh, tournament, but also the Nevada Department of, uh, or I think it was the uh, National Wildlife Service, tried to impose some limitations over at Lake Havasu that everyone was against, and you guys went up and you sounded your opinion to it, and there, uh, it, it turns out that the... Uh, uh, the Park Service uh, backed up on it. Uh, if we have you stay for a little bit longer, can you just review to us what that uh, what happened and what that ruling was? I, I can certainly stay on. I can go over what I know of it. Um, all I really know is what I've read, and I can. But I can certainly try to cover what I can on it. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. We're speaking to Justin Lukaitis from. Lake Havasu, he's the tournament director for the Spro All Frog Tournament, had a successful event with 106 teams last weekend on Lake Havasu. Uh, We're going to talk, you know, unfortunately a little politics because uh, our government officials tried to close down some fishing areas over at Lake Havasu, but the fishermen came up, they uh, voiced their concerns, and there was a decision that was made, and we're going to come back and find out exactly what the ruckus was all about and what happened. You're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM540 or at rodreelradio.com. Wendy Toshahar is with me tonight. Justin Lukaitis is here. I'm Hopalong John Cassidy. Stay tuned. There is still more Rod Real Radio to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford. No 
tows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajon Ford.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> I mean, that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Before we get uh, back to uh, 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 Phil Friedman with What the Heck Phil is Thinking, uh, I'm uh, with Justin Lukaitis from Lake Havasu, tournament director for the Spro Frog Tournament. And, and Justin, we were talking uh, just recently, um, one of the federal agencies, they wanted to, uh, to knock off some of the boating uh, ways there at Lake Havasu. Uh, the fishermen and uh, a few of the congr- congressmen and senators in the state 
got together and said, hey, we don't want to see that happen. Just briefly outline what this was all about. Yeah, John, from what I understand, it started from a couple kayakers coming down the river, um, and, and they got they basically got tired of, of being passed by these boats doing 70, 80 miles an hour. So they went to the Fish and Wildlife Service, and over one or two people, the Fish and Wildlife Service decided they would try to take that and almost try to make the river area no wake. And and I, I've read, read comments that it was they were trying to make the full 17, 20 miles of the refuge be all no wake. I've heard comments that they were going to try to just make, you know, two or three miles around the sandbar area entering the river no wake. Uh, one of the things they wanted to do was they wanted to take the whole Tupac, Tupac Marsh area and limit it to 35 horsepower, which it's already no yeah. wake. So I don't really understand why that's all about. Uh, no wake 35 horsepower versus a no wake 150 horsepower. I don't know what difference it's going to make, but uh, they tried to do that. All the mayors along with all the river cities up there, they got together. Um, I can't remember the, the main senator or representative's name, I should say, that got me. I think it was Paul Grossner. Right. He, uh, he got together put in, and they all did a bunch of meetings along the whole river in the different cities and, and really just pushed back with the fish and wildlife. I know a lot of the stores and areas up there had petitions in there that were turned over to fish and wildlife for, for what they were doing. Get uh, What's that? Yep, nothing. Go on. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, and they did, they did a lot of public meetings and, and got with the Fish and Wildlife Service. And thank goodness for, for not just fishermen, but all voters, Fish and Wildlife Service, you know, they, re, they retracted that. All right. Well, Justin Lukaitis, thanks a lot again for being with us, especially on this Father's Day. Uh, uh, congratulations on running a great tournament at Havasu. We look forward to Seeing uh, another one there next year. You got one more in you, don't you? Oh yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep doing this. It's, it's one of the most fun events that I run. Um, I, I'm real fortunate. Spros asked me to go back and run their Gunnersville tournament again for them, and great. It's nice to get to go back there. And and any time, any time you can get a hundred plus boat tournament, uh, you know, anywhere in the Southwest, you're doing you're doing good. All right, Justin Lukaitis, thanks a lot for being with us tonight and giving us that update on the Spro All Frog Tournament. You have a great evening, sir. You too, John. Thank you, guys. All right. Hey, let's see if we still have this other guy on. He is the voice of PFO Radio. He's calling us from Rosarita Beach. I didn't think we were going to be able to talk to him, but somehow he made his way through. Phil Friedman. Phil, what the heck is happening to you down in Rosarita Beach? Bad luck, John. Bad luck. I was able to get through. Happy Father's (laughs) Day to you and, and to everybody else. I hope you're doing well. We are doing okay, Phil. First of all, you know, you're always doing great things when you go south of the border. What's happening down there in Rosarita Beach? Well, it's just a beautiful day here at the hotel. There's all kinds of families and kids and people celebrating Father's Day. It's Father's Day in Mexico also, so you have the mix of the two cultures down here. Everybody enjoying a beautiful beach day. It really didn't get as hot as they had been talking. I guess maybe that's going to be in subsequent days, but it's just beautiful here. Family atmosphere. Everybody's having a good time surfing down at the beach or surf fishing or doing barbecues and doing carne asada and just having a really great time. So, 
really wanted to be here, John. I'm, uh, I'm uh, actually working on a Baja book, so I'm kind of getting out and interviewing some of the local folks and finding some interesting stories, some stories that I hope haven't been written about that we can build the book around. And uh, there's just so many great people down here and so much to do. And it's so close to home, 20 minutes across the border here, here in Rosarito Beach. And I just thought I would uh, dedicate a little time to that and start to pen a little book here. And uh, hopefully it'll be done before too long. Well, that sounds great, Phil. You know, we'll be talking later about what uh, is happening with the fishing uh, from San Diego down south. But uh, you have any reports on what was happening uh, north of San Diego? Well, I do. But first of all, you know, I'm going to I really need your help on something, John. And I hate to do this on air. But I have dialed Don Ashley's number, my wife's number. I've dialed every number. I can't get through. This is the only number I've been able to get through to. And do you think my wife is going to buy that? Now, let, me, let me explain something to you about Ruth. Her English is not that great. I was on the phone one time with a guy talking about the bite at Catalina Island. And we were going on and on about Catalina Island and how it's going. And I hung up the phone. I looked, and she's glaring at me. And she said to me in Spanish, who is Catalina, and why are you talking about her so much? <laughs> so you can see the kind of trouble I'm going to be in when I say uh, I couldn't get the phone call out of here. Well, you know, you're calling radio, you're calling radio Zion, and that's really a higher calling, Phil. So that's probably why your call got through. <laughs> Dios ayuda me, por favor. Well, hey, look, you know, we spent some time on Friday on a pre-Father's Day trip. We call it a Father's Day trip because we kind of designed the whole thing so we could get out and go fishing and then be for the barbecue and be able to do that. And man, I'll tell you, we had an absolutely great time wonderful time out there because i think of the people who came out there were so many great people rick fuentes guys from the kc anglers club and of course crazy johnny jordan's the captain of the boat he always does a really great job john he's a fun guy his sister wendy works in the galley and her son patrick was on deck so it was a real family affair we got over to catalina island and we started to fish and it was slow there was not much going on and i went over to johnny and i said Hey, good job, man. Nice bite on the bloopers for the guys on the PFO chart. I really appreciate that. And uh, so he looked at me and said, shut up. They're going to bite. Watch. These yellows are going to bite. And so he hung in there. And, you know, for a captain, that's not that easy to do. Sometimes you hear the grumbling on deck about why are we here. And he just had a good feeling about it. He saw some fish and thought it was time of day. And wham. The yellow started to bite. It wasn't full rack or anything, but it was decent. I think we ended up with 17 yellows, 20 yellows, something like that. Nice. Constant action on calico bass, so one big sheep's head. We had some barracuda. We had a lot of bonita. It was really great action on a perfectly beautiful day over there at Catalina Island and a lot of fun. And, man, I, I can't thank everybody enough who was there, the owner of the boat. Andy is a great guy. That was a lot of fun to be fishing with him. And I'd like to thank Fish and Crane for so many of their great uh, prizes that they gave to us to give out to the folks. And, of course, Big Fish Bait and Tack were sponsoring us also. But really a great day on the water for us. And I know as I've been looking around, things have been a little tough. And, you know, when we get yeah. this high inland air temperature, when it gets hot, the wind starts to blow. And that's made things tough. Don Ashley told me that at San Clemente Island, there was at least six San Diego boats up there a day ago. So those guys didn't have much going on down their way if they had to come up to Clemente. So I think we're in a little transitionary period. And with that high heat and those high excessive heat warnings that the local news has been talking about so much, 
um, we're going to have some wind and breeziness, and hopefully things will settle down and we'll get back onto some of that big bluefin as well as some nice yellowtail fishing at Clemente and other areas. You know, there has been hits on yellows at Clemente, at Santa Barbara Island, at Catalina Island, up to the north at the Channel Islands, at Rosen, and a cap in several of those zones up there. So seems to be plenty of fish around, John. There's some squid around also, and I, I think we're going to be in good, good shape. Hopefully that's going to click back into gear here real, real soon. Yeah, I think uh, once we're over this uh, high pressure, there's an old saying, when the wind's from the east, the fishing's the beast. When the wind's from the best, west, the fishing's the best. And I think we're seeing that right now. The fish just have their nose down a little bit. But, you know, one of the things that's really encouraging, Phil, is the amount of squid that's coming into the area up from the north. No question about that, John. It's so good to see that again. I mean, you know, when it's a trade-off. You have an El Nino situation, and, man, I mean, last year was just mind-boggling with blue marlin and wahoo. Normally it's not that crazy. We had that warm water bubble that contributed to all of that also, but there is that trade-off. I mean, during the El Nino, kelp dies off. You don't see too much white sea bass. You don't see the market squid. And now we're kind of like in that interim right now between the El Nino and La Nina. So we're starting to see more and more of that market squid. And, of course, you know, in high school biology, we all learned about the food chain. And that's what makes that squid so important. That squid gets into the island, and it's a magnet for those game fish, sea bass, yellows, halibut, and so many other species. And, man, I'll tell you, it is so good to see it back. We've got the... I would say the vast majority, maybe 95% of our yellows on live squid. I think there was a fish on the iron, maybe two fish on the iron, but most of it was taken on the live squid. So, yeah, it is super important to have it. I know there's been some local squid out on the horseshoe kelp and some other areas up and down the coast, and it just suggests to me that we have a vibrant ocean and we've got that magnet that we need to get those game fish in there and get them on the bite. You know, uh, running a bait and tackle store, one of the things that we try to provide is bait. And squid has not been available as bait to us. And what has been happening is a lot of the squid that, uh, you know, the fishermen have been getting have been this uh, squid that is bleached uh, out for human consumption. And that just does not make the best bait. So what a lot of the... the, um, the fishermen are going is they're going to the oriental markets. They're starting to be uh, live wild-caught squid that hasn't been processed at all in the oriental markets. And for the guys that can't get bait in the bait and tackle stores, this is a great alternative. Sooner or later, we're going to get it. But try to keep away from the squid that has been bleached and washed and is good for human consumption because it just doesn't seem to work as good. So that's one reason why it's good to see the squid coming in uh, up north there, Phil. Yeah, for sure, John. You know, once it's available and if it's that fresh dead, as you as you mentioned, that bleached out stuff is not very good. But you, if you're able to get that fresh dead squid, sometimes that will work as good as the live. In fact, I remember when I was working on the Tornado one summer uh, – down there in San Pedro, I think it was running out of 22nd Street, if I remember. My memory shot, but John Dipley was running the boat. I was decking for him, and, you know, we would just, we'd have a tank full of live squid and a trash can full of fresh dead, and when we were fishing Calico Bass, we'd just pin on a couple of fresh dead and toss it out there, and it was an instant bite. So as long as it's fresh, uh, it works wonders. You know, those sea bass are vacuuming that stuff up off the bottom anyway after it spawns, it dies. And uh, so as long as you have good, fresh squid, fresh dead, that can make all the difference in the world on a variety of fish. It works really, really well. 
All right. Well, Phil, I uh, I envy you being down there at the beautiful Rosarita Beach Hotel. Uh, uh, we have always enjoyed the hospitality of Hugo Torres and his uh, family and staff there at the Rosarita Beach. You cannot find a better venue to go and just relax, enjoy the Pacific Ocean, and eat and fish and, and just uh, uh, just have a beautiful time down uh, and uh, taking advantage of the hospitality that is available south of the border there. You're so right, John, and I'm glad you mentioned the Torres family because Senor Torres, he really strives to not only provide the nicest hotel and the nicest environment so when families come here they can enjoy themselves, but he's also in the community doing a lot of great stuff. His daughter, Rosie, is a dear, dear friend of mine. She runs the Boys and Girls Club down here, and I've told her that, you know, I've made the comment to her that, hey, you know, 99% of the people I meet in Rosarito Beach are polite and great and they're wonderful, and she goes, I want to meet that 1% and change that, too. <laughs> and she's just a wonderful person who dedicates herself to the kids down here and the entire Torres family. They're dedicated to just being really good, decent people. It's really, really been a blessing and an honor for me to get to know them. And you, I don't know if you can hear the laugh in the background, but there's all kinds of people having a good time down here. And uh, I don't know. I might uh, have to join them again. Who knows? Well, don't oh, I'm sorry Rude, about though. that, Phil. Someone's, someone's got to join them. Well, that's what's the nice thing about the Rosarito Beach Hotel. That's where you stay. It is comfortable. It's safe. And then you can use that as your jump-off spot if you want to go fishing, you want to do uh, horseback riding on the beach, you want to do the uh, ATVs either up and down the beach or into the backcountry, you want to go visit the wine country, you want to go out and find some superb restaurants that give you great valuable with, with great value with fantastic food it's all right there in rosarita beach and the rosarita beach hotel is the place to start plus the fact that the uh, the food at the rosarita beach hotel is not that bad at all really great stuff the food's great the waiters are great all the bellhops are buddies of mine and uh, we always have a really really good time it's www.rosaritobeachhotel.com and i highly recommend whether you come down for the fourth of july or any other time Highly recommend you come back to Rosarita Beach, bring your family, and you will love it. You can walk up and down the streets at night, eat some carne asada tacos, enjoy the locals, and just really have a great time here. It's a wonderful, wonderful piece of our hey, world. Phil? Yeah, go do on, they, Wendy. Wendy. Do they, do they still, if you stay at the hotel, do, you still, do they still um, provide you that path to go through the border? Yes, they do. It's, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Wendy. If you stay at the hotel, folks, make sure on checkout you ask for your fast pass, and they'll give you a pass, and you have to go through a certain lane when you get up to the border. It's called Colonial Federal. It's easy to do, and you go, and you get pushed through a gate. And the last time I did it, Wendy, it was 12 minutes to get out of out nice. from the border, which would have been a much longer line. Phil, the last time I was there, from the door of the Rosarita Beach Hotel to the door of Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa, 50 minutes. So not wow. a, not a yeah, bad, you, you not a bad deal. Hey, Phil, you know, there are all kinds of things happening at Phil Friedman Outdoors. Your blog is full of all kinds of fun stuff besides fishing. How do we stay in contact with you? 
John, you're very kind. Thank you so much. And once again, happy Father's Day to you and everybody else out there. I hope you're really enjoying the day. PFO on Facebook or Aventuras al Aire Libre on Facebook or our websites are www.aventuras al Aire Libre for our Spanish-speaking hermanos y hermanas. And in English, you can go to pforadio.com and get all the latest. I've, I've got a text here, John. It's Ruth, and she wants to know who the hell this John Cassidy guy is and what he has to do with Catalina. <laughs> I so, don't know. You have, to, you have to back me up later on. on yeah, that. I'm going to have to do that, Phil. Uh, you know, let's get together and confer on that so we get our story straight, okay? <laughs> hey, that's John, what a pleasure, Stan, Wendy, and all you great folks out there. Happy Father's Day from the Rosarita Beach Hotel. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Hey, that's Phil Friedman from Phil Friedman Outdoors. Hey, Wendy and I, we got to take a break right now. Coming up next, Captain James Nelson with the Southern California Inshore Report. This is Rod Real Radio on AM540 or at rodreelradio.com. Stay tuned. Still a lot more show to come. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy Line, Spro Products, Gamakatsu Hooks, G. Loomis Fishing Rods, Shimano Products, Ovid Reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Wendy Toshahar is with me tonight. Stan? Well, Stan is uh, celebrating Father's Day at Cabo San Lucas. Not a bad place to do it, but we got with us the fish icon himself that's been out all week getting ready for Father's Day, going out with a lot of families and making a lot of fathers really proud that they chose to go out with the fish icon, Captain James Nelson. Captain James, how you doing, guy? John, I'm doing great. How are you doing, John? How are you doing, Stan? Uh, Wendy, excuse me. 
Doing great. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, hey, Stan, but you mentioned that Cabo San Lucas. You know, that's pretty uh, – uh, uh, I'm jealous. You know, he's, he's probably he's probably sitting there about five degrees cooler than we are, enjoying himself. <laughs> hey, what can I say? You know, you know, but you know, one of the things about you during this time of the year, Jim, uh, going out on uh, San Diego Bay, Mission Bay, or, or immediate offshore area, is not a bad place to be when we get weather like this. It's not at all, John. You know, it's it's actually a few degrees cooler out there. We were uh, enjoying the kelp yesterday, or I, I should say that the lack of kelp bed, but it, it's still there. The bed is there. It's just we don't see the leaves on top yet, but that's going to change soon. You know, that growing a foot a day thing should happen any time now, but I, it, it is a lot cooler until you, you come back in the harbor and you, you dock the boat up and you realize immediately just how nice it was out there. Well, Jim, hey, you know, that, and that makes for a good question. A lot of people, they go out to the end of Point Loma. They're not necessarily fishermen. Sometimes they go out and there's just vast kelp beds off of uh, the end of Point Loma going all the way up to OB. And, and you go out there now, there's not a lot of kelp. Well, what happens to it? Well, you know, John, if, if you recall a few months back, we had uh, some stormy weather. So it's uh, I think that ripped a little bit up uh, and uh, we didn't have a lot of sunshine. And it grows a foot a day in the sunshine, but when you don't have a lot of that sunshine, it slows down quite a bit. Uh, it's just like any other uh, plant, aquatic or otherwise. And now we've got it. Now we've got the sunshine. We've got the water warming back up. We've got uh, less than stormy weather. So let's see what happens. I, I think I'm uh, speak for everybody. We're, we're really anticipating it coming back and seeing a real good uh, topwater type fishery between the calicos, barracuda, and yellowtail. We'll see what happens to that kelp. has a nice place for them to hide under. I'm sure they'll be lurking and waiting for things to swim by. You know, uh, Jim, uh, uh, the past few days I've gone on your Facebook page and you've had uh, uh, families out there with uh, some of the young kids out there catching some great fish. I've had people here in the shop and fathers coming in and they're talking about fishing the bay or how to get the fish, the kids involved in fishing. Don't have a lot of fishing tackle. And I bring them over to the uh, James Elson Facebook page and show all those happy kids with uh, fish and they go, I want my kids to be doing that, and I got to tell you, it's got to be also a great thrill for you to be starting so many young people off and fishing the way you're doing it. Well, thanks, John. You know we try, and I do appreciate uh, you doing that because I know I've had some folks out this month that have said that they talked to you first, either on phone or in the shop. So that's that's always a pleasure to to get the build up and. And I, and I appreciate you not building it too much. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just look at the pictures, and if that's what you want to do, let's go do it. You know, that's really what it is, and and it's really it's really nice. We we've been really fortunate the last few days, just really getting some really good fishing going. Well, you know, and we can talk about all you know the fishing techniques, and and Jim, I also know that you take out the most experienced fishermen to go out for a quality time, but. Let's start at the other end. You get uh, a mom or a dad or granddad give you a call, and he says, hey, I've got a couple of grandkids or I've got a couple of kids that are out of school or we're going to be visiting San Diego for uh, a weekend. I, I want to show them an experience of fishermen. Uh, how, do you, how do you turn that into a trip of a lifetime for them? Well, John, you really can't beat San Diego Bay. It's just that simple when it comes to just getting out, catching fish, getting a variety, learning the basics, uh, you know, and we do that. I, I don't just 
pull the boat up and say, okay, let's fish here. I tell people what we're doing, why we're doing it. Um, and, and I'm more than willing to share with folks either radio or seminars, too. Probably the, the neatest thing you could do in our bay is find a method that you can, or an area where you can anchor. You can't anchor in the channel, so don't even bother. Stay out of downtown. Stay out of the busy traffic. Go a little south of the bridge and on one of those shallow reefs where you can anchor. Um, and anchor that boat. You know, if you want to drift, drift. That's fine. You could drift and you could throw grubs and catch all the spotties all day. But if you want a new experience, anchor the boat, whether it's with a hard anchor or if you're blessed like I have, that Minn Kota with the iPilot. Use that. Hold yourself still for a bit. Throw out a couple chunks of mackerel out there on, on some lines and put them in the rod holder and sit and ignore them. But if you got a reel with a clicker on it, I got that little Dakota 500s. You know, I, I throw the, the clickers on those. And while we're waiting, you know, that could be boring, just standing around looking at rods waiting for the clicker to go. So while we're waiting, that's when we're throwing grubs, swim baits. And I'll show everybody the rigs. You know, we're using slider rigs. I, I show the kids what we're using, how we're using them. You know, with, when we're throwing bait, I show them how to hook the bait, why we're using certain parts of the, of the fish for bait, and why we're using certain baits, whether it be shrimp or mackerel. I show them how to hook it on. I show what kind of lines we use and why. And it's really good when I do that with, with, with uh, kids and dads or, or moms even, or both. You know, and they're out there, and they want to learn some things that they could do later. Maybe they're going to, you know, rent their own skiff and save a few bucks or fish off the rocks or the piers. You know, I'll show them how, how to do those things because I know that, you know, a private guide experience is kind of, is kind of something that's a, that's a little elite. It's not something you do, you know, every other week. So it's, it's something that I like to give them their value when they come out. So when they leave, they could either come back out on their own time through their own methods or maybe their own boat, or they could call me, and if they want to go again, that's great. But nonetheless, they leave there with something that they could use. So I'll show them the rigs we use, the grubs, why I like that, that gold color, that golden chartreuse, why I like that so much. So they'll, they'll see exactly, you know, what, what's going on with the water, why we're throwing. All of a sudden, we went from throwing grubs to throwing a cast master. Why are we throwing cast masters? Well, you and Wendy and I know why. When you see birds diving on, you know, and they're picking up little pinhead anchovies, what else are you going to throw? But, you know, they may not know that being beginners. Beginners don't know those signs to look for. And rather than just telling them, okay, pick up the cast master and throw it, I'll tell them, look, you see those birds? Those, those turns are coming up with little bitty anchovies. That's, those anchovies are coming up because fish are below them. Throw out that cast master. You know, so that's what I try to do, John. Just give them a, an extra value, something they could take home not only for what they did that day, but what they could come back any other time with. Well, Jim, I think uh, uh, the, the proof of the pudding is the number of people that you come back and that will come out with you again, whether it be with the family groups or, or even guys like Dr. Jim and I. We, you know, we love going on out there because of the experience, the comfort of the boat. I like going out particularly because of the munchies. You have some of the best munchies there, so you're going to get my business coming back again. But uh, you show everyone a great experience. You show them value for the money. And the deal is is that they're not going out fishing with you. You are taking them out on a fishing trip. And and you're always unselfish enough that if you never even throw the rod out there uh, uh, or a lure out there once and you show your customers a good time, you have had a successful trip. Well, absolutely. It's their trip. It's not mine. I'll go fish on my day off. I, and I say that a lot of times. People ask me, aren't you going to fish? Well, 
uh, I'll fish on my day off. You know, there's a lot that I have to do that if I if I picked up a rod and started fishing that I wouldn't be able to do for the. Well, Jim, we're getting into uh, the longer, warmer days of the summer right now. And with these summer months coming on up, how's the fishing going to change, do you believe, in comparison to what you've been doing for the, you know, the past few months in late winter and, uh, you know, in spring? Well, I'll tell you, you know, John, we still got that great bite in the bay, and if that's folks want to do, uh, it's perfect for that. No chance of getting seasick. Uh, nice, easy fishery to learn, again, learn the basics and still catch fish. And prize fish, I mean, those those leopard sharks, they're nothing to toy with, not to mention the big bat rays. So if you want to catch something big, you don't have to go 40 miles into the ocean to do it. So we'll still be doing that. That's a year-round fishery, no doubt. And then with the kelp beds, again, hoping that kelp comes up a little better to attract those yellowtails better would be nice. But if not, you and I both know there's still going to be spots out offshore that we could go chase them. You know, not too far and not have to go down into Mexican waters or out to uh, the melee that's happening out there with all the bluefin and other tuna addicts that are bumping into each other, screaming at each other. You could avoid that. There's a lot of local fishing. A lot of fun to have. As a matter of fact, uh, I also follow uh, on social media Tommy Gomes. And when I see Tommy, he is taking great pleasure taking his dad out, going into the back bay and just sticking it to as many spotted bay bass as they can, catch and release. Occasionally they come up with a great halibut or something like that. So you even get someone that's experienced like Tommy or his dad, who's been commercial fishing for 60 years or whatever it is, being in that back bay is really an experience for him too, even now. Oh, absolutely. And you're talking guys that could go out and school any of these new pinheads that are out there chasing tuna around. These guys could school them any day, but... They've done that, you know. <laughs> They've done that, and they, they know what it's about, and they, they don't care to do it. They're, you know, And that's what fishing is. It's really getting out and enjoying yourself, not having to work hard at it. And You know, for guys who still want to do that, pile a bunch of buddies and, you know, a bunch of gas cans all over their boat and go chase around for 12 hours and finally get a fish to bite right before you come in and have to process it and put the boat away in the dark, you guys that are young enough and want to do that, have at it. For the rest of us, we're just going to go have a good time and experience what fishing is really about. It's more than the catch. It really is. Also, we want to remind you, when you go out with Captain James Nelson, he's licensed, he's bonded, he's insured, he's the real deal. Yeah, he goes out and plays his guitar every once in a while, but he's not flipping hamburgers or selling insurance in his spare time. He's out there on the water, and he wants to make sure that you get a, a great experience. And, Jim... If people want to sign up, find out trips are available, half day, maybe three-quarter day, full day, maybe a, a trip uh, with the lunch included in the middle, all kinds of fun things. I know you tailor them to your customers. How's the best way to find out how to go about booking with you? Well, you can always reach me online. And, yeah, John, I'm just so glad with all the licenses I have to have with fishing and being a guide, I'm just glad I don't need those kind of licenses to play my guitar and sing. Otherwise, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't be able to do it. But <laughs> they can always reach me online at thefishicon.com or give me a phone call at 619-395-0799. Well, Captain James Nelson, the Fish Icon, I hope you're having a great Father's Day. I want to thank you again for the courtesy you've shown me when we've gone on out. And thank you and the family for uh, uh, letting you spend some time with us on Father's Day for a live report. You just have a great evening. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Thanks again, John. And uh, you have a great Father's Day yourself. All right. We'll do that. Hey, you're listening to Ron Real Radio. That's the end of the first hour, but there's still a lot more Ron Real Radio to come up. Coming up in the second hour, we're going to uh, have uh, Captain Jason Reese from the High Count Sports Fishing. And if you pick up this week's copy of Western Outdoor News, Captain Jason and some of his clients are there on the front cover. We're going to find out what Captain Jason is doing to gain the success that he's gaining. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Run Real Radio to come with Hopalong and Witty Toshihara after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Southern California, welcome to the second hour of Rod and Reel Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. With me tonight is the National Sales Manager for Iserline, Wendy Toshihara. And, and Wendy, just quickly, uh, 
We just restocked up on Iserline from 30 to 80 pounds. Uh, how's your uh, supply of Iser going, and is it shooting out the door right now? You know, it's been great. Last year it was all 25, 30, and 40. This year I'm selling a lot of 40, 50, and 60, not to mention the bigger pound um, Spectra. So we have plenty of stock. We're prepared, and it looks like it's going to be a great season. Well, you know, Wendy, we've got a guy on that's using a bunch of that right now. He is from the High Count, uh, from High Count Sports Fishing. If you pick up this week's cover uh, with this week's Western Outdoor News, he's a cover boy on there with a great catch that he, the crew, and his customers went out and caught uh, last week. It's Captain Jason Reese. And Captain Jason, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing this evening? Oh, hey, we are doing great. And did you ever anticipate that you'd be lo- you'd be using the pound test line that you're using right now for this early in the season? You know, not for this early in the season, but we, I mean, we definitely are set up with, you know, all kinds of gear on the boat. We've got tons, but to be able to start using it right out of the, the gate was, it was really something. We're, we, it, it, it couldn't. It eclipses even my wildest fantasies. Well, Jason, <laughs> hey, let let's kind of start. To, you know, from from square one. You know, uh, we introduced you as owner operator of uh, High Count Sports Fishing out of Point Loma Sports Fishing, and I know you're a, a charter six pack. And a lot of people come aboard. They say hello to the captain, the crew, go out, have a great time, and everything like that. But a lot of people just don't know the story on, on how the guys actually got to that point in time. Tell us a little bit about the road you traveled to get to where you are today. Well, after going on a couple of long-range fishing trips as a passenger, I thought, you know, this is really a lot of fun. It looks really cool. And I thought, why not give it a try? And, you know, so I asked the captain for a job, and I got hired. And from from that minute that was pretty much the end of the uh <laughs> the end of the story everything else has just been a progression since that point and you know starting working on long-range boats getting my captain's license eventually working here with my my good friend where i got a lot of experience behind the wheel not just being a deckhand but actually driving the boat and fishing it and uh it's it's just been a, a a natural progression for you know somebody that was coming up in the industry. You know, Jason, and, and one of the things that I always marvel at is that <laughs> obviously every boat has a captain, and now all the boats that go out, uh, you know, uh, commercially usually have to have a second captain aboard. And the road to getting your captain's license isn't like filling out a questionnaire and sending it on in or anything like that. It's a rather a long uh, process and we've talked about this in the past, but tell us a little bit about what it takes to be able to skipper a boat uh, in the in California and the fleet today. Well, you know, I was pretty lucky that I got to work with some really good people that you know put some uh, you know effort into helping me along and seeing that maybe there was something that would come out of this down the road. And I was fortunate enough to be given some opportunities at some really good times that aided in my progression and going just from a deckhand to now uh, somebody that earned a captain's license and showed that they wanted to keep going. And by moving to this boat from a long range boat, 
it it wasn't you know really like a demotion going from a long range boat to a six pack boat. It was a a progression that allowed me to actually get hands on experience and get behind the wheel, not only in driving it in open water, but in you know docking the boat and in doing a lot more you know hands on things with the day to day operation of the vessel. So. You said that you were deckhand on the long-range boat. Do you, do you think that experience uh, fishing long-range for as long as you did has translated and is really helping you kind of into this bite that we're, we're seeing right now off our Southern California coast? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in the last several years, we've incorporated a lot of different long-range techniques into what is not normally considered standard six-pack fishing. I mean, from fishing with a kite, trolling with a kite out, uh, definitely being being able to handle this size of fish. I mean, it's something that my whole crew has done countless times on other long-range boats. I've been fortunate enough that for many, many years, the entire crew on this boat was licensed. So any one of the people on the boat could have operated the boat at any time. So I've been very, very, very fortunate with that. But we've... We found applications that are used on long-range boats that could be used here, and we're taking advantage of it, like I said, with the kite. I mean, the kite alone has produced uh, some incredible results, especially for, you know, groups that have never seen that because they've never been on a long-range boat. You know, they've never been more than one or two days away from Point Loma on a boat, and they've been able to do it on here. Hmm. Let, let, you know... For those people that haven't been on long range and they talk about fishing on a kite, uh, tell us a little bit about the technique and what what it does to make it so that the um, the fish bite. Well, it, it allows you to get your bait out away from the boat. So it, when, especially when you're drifting, you know, all everyone's lines that are fly lining a bait go upwind, up into the swell, up into the current. And as the boat's drifting, your bait being put out on the kite is going out with the wind. So you're kind of fishing all by yourself in a, in an area away from the other baits and it stands out. So we have a dedicated kite rod that the only thing that that thing does is it's meant to fly the kite. We have three other rods on the boat that are the actual anglers kite rod to use. Uh, two of them are 30 size internationals with spectra loaded to the leader which is exactly what we use on the long-range boats. And it allows the angler to be able to fish in an area not being fished by the bait fishermen. And the fish look at that as a, why is that bait out there all by himself? And it stands out, and it, it helps them get bit. Tell us a little bit about the bait that you're using right now, because uh, are you having to... To make your own bait, are you finding the bait at the bait receivers that you need, or is it a combination of both? Well, in in past years, it's been everything from, you know, frozen squid, just like we have on the long-range boat, flying fish, uh, the double-trouble sardine rigs. Um, but this year, I mean, it, we've just barely started fishing. All of the fish have come on the artificial lures. We haven't caught anything on bait yet. Um, that's I'm sure something that's going to change in the, you know, not too distant future as the bait that the, uh, the fish are eating offshore starts to get, uh, in, in, uh, more scarce quantities. Um, 
will start catching some on bait, you know, once they start turning to alternatives other than what they're eating naturally offshore. But to this point, everything's been artificial. Hmm. Now, tell us, you know, there's so many questions I want to ask, and I don't know if I want to go in the direction to hear more about uh, the high count itself or the uh, uh, the process that you're using to catch fish. Let, let's talk about the process first. When did you guys start stumbling on these fish, and how did you come about them? Because, you know, we've heard reports that uh, you know, these fish are as little as nine miles away or inside of Point Loma, and... And normally you're thinking, okay, if I'm going to go on an early trip and I'm going to go after bluefin or yellowfin or whatever it is, I'm going to have to head out 60, 90 miles to find these fish. So how did you run into these fish to begin with? Well, just, you know, going on reports from, you know, friends and buddies that were out on the water, knowing that there were fish in, you know, you know relative three-quarter day range that were, you know, at the local banks, it was the uh, the the most logical uh, destination to go to, to at least give it a try. You know, every day is different. One day they're here, one day they're there. They swim around. They've got tails. So that was our, you know, putting our eggs in that basket. We decided to start by looking there. And then once you get out there, then you go wherever you might end up going, following the birds, following the water temperature, and moving around. It's not, it's not exactly to say that because you put in – point a as your waypoint that that's where you're going to show up and that's where the fish are going to be if it was that easy we'd be done a lot earlier but sometimes it involves a lot of driving around you know we we had talked about earlier in the season that the uh, the saners were out there and they were saning some of these fish and and after the saners reached their quota you know when the boats were coming up the fish it seemed like they would sink out in a hurry they were a little boat shy uh, it is is that a, a an accurate way to portray what was happening, and is that changing? I, I think to some extent that was. That's very accurate. You know, the, the fish get used to that kind of pressure, the boat pressure. Definitely the weekends are different than during the week. But, you know, having all that loud noise of the big boats, you know, dropping the nets in the water, um, that that's one thing where you know it's kind of on a a plus side for us we're not loud we're a very quiet boat we're a little bit uh more able to slip and slide and get up on them before they really realize that there's somebody there and by that time we're already casting at them and that that really was a benefit for us in this you know over this last weekend well and 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 there have been so many techniques that i've uh heard about i've heard about slow trolling mackerels you, you said though that uh, you haven't really gotten anything on baits yet and then we've talked about you know coming up to the schools and throwing irons on them uh, you know throwing flat falls but it seems like the poppers started working and then the poppers weren't working uh, uh you know for a whole week and now all of a sudden the poppers are working and then it's the the big popper it's the small popper it it, it just seems like uh uh, you throw the kitchen sink at it, and you got to hope that it's the right color. Sometimes you've got to, you know, just react to the situation, and you've got to be able to change it up as needed. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what exactly the fascination with the poppers is as far as the fish go. I'm, they're so keyed in on, you know, the anchovy that they're eating offshore. All the fish were filled with anchovy and red crab that 
I'm not sure if they see the popper as something foreign that's trying to share on their bounty of anchovy, and they're they're not necessarily trying to eat it because they're hungry, but they might be trying to eat it or at least take a poke at it to injure it to get it out of there so that they can continue eating what they had already started out eating. So I think that's uh, that's definitely been the case, and I'm not sure if they're thinking that you know maybe those are even smaller tuna that are trying to kind of poach on their area or if it might be a flying fish because you're kind of skipping and, you know, chugging that, that popper back to the boat. But whatever it is, it seems like they've, they've been fairly receptive to it. And, you know, the couple of days we've, everybody's been casting off the bow as we're sliding into these spots of fish. And I mean, I've watched from the bridge, the guys are landing the jigs right on the nose of these fish, but I mean, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're tough. They don't, they don't bite just everything just because it shows up in their area. And we've been very fortunate that we've actually had some that were willing to bite. Well, you know, and I, I, I think we are fortunate to get them to bite because you talk to the, the old time commercial tuna skippers and uh, they'd go out there and they'd see a, a school of fish and this was before the saners this is when they were still you know jack pulling them in and and they'd look at the school and they go ah, no those are all bluefin we're not going to get them to bite let's go find some fish that want to bite now all of a sudden we're getting these bluefin out here and we're trying to get them to bite and some of the guys are are coming up with tex- techniques that are successful Definitely. I think, you know, you've got to be able to change and adapt with the times. And we've definitely been fortunate enough that, that we kind of got in at the right time. And some of the techniques that we've used, we've seen what worked, what didn't work, what failed. And we were able to, uh, you know, to adapt and change for the next trip out. But I, I'm not sure that everyone that took these fish actually knew that that size of fish was going to be there. So they were throwing their lures into this, you know, this foamer of fish thinking that, you know, they're going to get what had been caught prior to that were all 50 and 70 pound fish. And lo and behold, these are all hundred pound and up fish. And then they were in for a battle. Wow. Hey, we are speaking with uh, Captain Jason Reese. He's owner operator of high count sports fishing. And as we mentioned before, if you pick up this, week's issue of Western Outdoor Magazine. He and a group of his clients and crewmates, they are on the front cover of Western Outdoor News with a great story by Merritt on the inside. Captain Jason, I want to get into a little more detail about, uh, you know, how to rig for these fish and a few other things. Can you stay with us for another segment and talk a little bit? Absolutely. All right. Hey, Woody Toshahar and I, we are bringing Rod Real Radio to you tonight on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. There's a whole lot more of Bluefin Talk coming up with Captain Jason Reese after these messages. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. 
H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Gabakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gabakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is un equaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419. Or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Wendy Toshahar is here tonight with me. Stan Vandenberg, he's on a Father's Day trip to Cabo San Lucas, and happy Father's Day to you, Stan. We have with us, boy, the owner-operator of High Count Sport Fishing, and if you pick up this week's issue of Western Outdoor News right on the front page, one of Jason's clients, uh, Alex Roman, uh, he is showing you one of the three 200-pound fish that they had last week aboard the High Count. And Captain Jason Reese is with us talking a little bit about getting these fish. Captain Jason, I know the uh, High Count is uh, uh, just almost like a high-end six-pack. If I call you up and I say, Captain Jason, I want to go out with you, uh, what do I have to bring this week? to get on these fish that, uh, in order to stand a good chance of catching them? And what do you, what can you supply to help us catch these fish? Well, uh, we've got plenty of gear on the boat. We've got gear for almost every application. However, this style of fishing is so unique that it's, so far the anglers that have come out that have been successful kind of already knew what they might be up against and, you know, they had a lot of their own gear. 
definitely if if it were up to me and I could you know go to the store tonight and go buy something for a trip tomorrow, what I would be looking for is a rod that's anywhere between seven feet to eight feet, definitely in the extra heavy category, and I would want a two speed reel so that I've got you know the lower gear to definitely help me out towards the end of the fight, and I would want it filled with straight eighty pound spectra. And what we found to be, you know, the best setup is tying that directly to a heavy monofilament tippet, which allows some shock absorption and definitely something heavy enough to where if the fish were to inhale the popper all the way, you've got the extra chafing protection of that heavier line. And so far, we found that the soft steel line has definitely, it's definitely been one of the, uh, the better lines to use. We've been using 130-pound soft steel tied directly from the Spectra to the popper. And how much uh, of the uh, uh, monofilament are you putting on there? We're actually making sure that the knot connecting your Spectra to the monofilament is outside of the rod tip and tying it to the lure so that when the lure sits on the rod seat or on the reel seat, it's, uh, that's all you've got. So maybe it's anywhere between five and six feet. Wow. And so what size poppers are you using? Are you using big 8-inch poppers? And are you Yeah, these are definitely the bigger ones. The uh, they're, they're definitely the bigger ones. And, and what we found is you definitely need to change out the hooks depending on which manufacturer you buy. And I can't say that there's one manufacturer that's been better than the others. There's, there's so many of them. Um, but definitely changing out the hooks to, you know, something that's in the, you know, the 3X and the 4X strength. Uh, treble hooks and we've had no problem with that we did lose one on our first day because we you know we we didn't know what we were really going to be up against and we did straighten out a hook that was you know from the factory and after that we made the change and and everything has been beefed up and we haven't had any failures you know after that now uh do you recommend treble hooks over let's say single hooks on these poppers well, you know, there's no diet in the wool exactly what is the best, what works. All I can say is what's worked for us, and we've had no problems with the treble hooks. I know guys have used, uh, you know, the, the hooks that are designed for the flat fall setup. Um, some have, you know, replaced the treble hook with, you know, a big uh, single hook. So there's there's no real exact recipe as to what works. But all I know is that if, you, if you're going to go with the treble hooks, that they need to be replaced with the, the heavier gauge hook. You know, I talked to uh, one of my fishing buddies, C.L. Smith. He uh, went out with a friend, and they went out for three days. And uh, on the beginning of the first day, it was, uh, uh, you know, really gray light. And they're cruising along, and they could hardly see anything. And so they just kind of slowed down a, a little bit to... Uh, you know, till they could start seeing, uh, you know, the ocean. And the next thing they know, they were right in the middle of their first school of these fish. And uh, uh, they had a mackerel all set up. They threw a mackerel overboard. They got hit on a mackerel. Uh, uh, CL threw out the big popper, Wendy, and he turned that thing for about three to five minutes. Couldn't get anything bit. Put that lower down. He had a, uh, a five-incher on. He threw that thing. Bam! First thing, he got hit. His friend brought in about a 75-pound uh, 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 bluefin. He had about a 40-pound a bluefin, and they go, man, this is going to be a great trip. They were out for three days. They stopped on numerous schools of fish and never got 
another fish in the boat. So that just tells you how frustrating this bite can be. You know, uh, the very first day when Alex was on the boat and his group, Team DiGiuseppe, we uh, we started the morning. You know, we got in the area that we wanted to start at, and we started seeing spots of birds. And the first couple of spots were reluctant to stay up long enough for us to get up on them. And as the morning progressed, we found that the fish were starting to stay up a little bit longer and being a little more receptive to the boat getting on them. And as the day wore on, if we could have stayed even later, I think we would have added a few more fish to our account. Uh, th- it seemed like the spots of fish got bigger. Definitely the, the size of the fish was, I mean, it was all the quality fish. But as the day wore on, we started seeing bigger spots, and they stayed up longer. And they stayed around about the very end. Uh, we, we had time for one more stop, and, and we got on them, and we hooked three fish, one straight in the hook. And two more were on for about half an hour before finally the the hooks pulled. But it was showing even better and sticking around the boat. There was I, I got some great video that we've posted on our Facebook page, and uh, you can also see some of that stuff on our that Code Group app. But it, it was sticking around the boat longer to where guys were getting multiple chances. And at the very last stop. After we had been on those fish for a half an hour, there was another spot of fish that just marched right up the side, and they came from out of nowhere, and it was a completely different spot of fish that basically found us. You know, I, I don't give, want to give away every trade secret that you have, but uh, for the benefit of the fishermen and maybe if there's a certain etiquette of what to do on the boat, uh, when you're scanning the horizon, you, you see these birds working, you think there's fish uh, coming uh uh, underneath them, uh, how, how do you approach these school of fish? And then what do you recommend that the fishermen do to optimize their chances of getting hooked up? Well, for us, luckily enough, you know, we've got some gyro-stabilized binoculars on the boat that definitely help with being able to see at a considerable distance. And really the tough part is seeing if they're going to stay up long enough for the boat, even, you know, running at a a really quick pace to get up to them to get a chance to get the lures on them. And we've gotten lucky that we've been able to, it, it hasn't worked out every, every school, don't get me wrong, but we've been able to get up on them to where we were. When I took the boat out of gear, we were, you know, no more than a boat length away and sliding into the fish before they really knew that we were there and the guys were already casting. So as soon as I took the boat out of gear, the guys were casting from the bow and then I would just try to angle the boat to incorporate that with their cast to maximize the time that they could keep the lure in the water. And it, it's definitely paid off for us. You know, there's an old saying, Jason, birds of a feather stick together. When you come up to these schools, do you find that one school is maybe full of fish that might be between 40 and 70 and then there's another school that there's a another weight class and then all of a sudden there's another school out there where there's just monsters or are they all mixed up together well yeah technically i mean normally you know like you said birds of a feather stick together and you know those fish when they're traveling they, they might be all mixed up but only until they can find another school of the same size and then they'll break apart. So all the big ones will stay with the big ones, and the more juvenile fish will go their way. But we haven't seen anything that's been, you know, under 100 pounds. Uh, 
the last stop on Monday when we got our the 218 that we got on Monday, as I stopped the boat and we glided into the fish, uh, right as we got the first hookup, I, I was I ha- and I haven't looked at it yet on the GoPro, but I saw no shortage of 200 pounders shining on their side coming right underneath the pulpit. I mean, you probably could have, you know, threw a rock and hit one, but they were, we haven't seen any small fish. So it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. You know, it's, it's great that you're getting a chance to go out and, you know, get after these bluefin, but there hasn't, we haven't yet found anything that's been of the smaller size. Well, now, you know, as you're going along too, obviously you're looking at your sonar. Are you finding great, great groups of fish deep, or are most of the fish, uh, are fish you're finding uh, visual? It, it's all visual. It's all based on these birds. You know, we see the, the bird school, you know, at a distance, and we start driving that way. And then when it looks like the fish get up and they're on the surface, you know, that's when I punch it, and we, we really run hard at them. And as we're the last stop on Monday, as we were coming up to the spot of fish, everyone was able to see that the turn birds that were picking above the shearwaters, which were the big indicator of the shearwaters, we were able to tell that the majority of the fish were on one side or the other of the big spot of birds. And we adjusted course as needed to make sure that we were not going after the birds, but going after the fish. And that that's definitely been a, a and I've written about this, it's a huge team effort. We had people that were in the cockpit that were looking behind the boat while I was driving forward to make sure that, you know, while we were going, that there wasn't another spot that popped up somewhere else. And if it did, it was something to keep an eye on once we got on the stop that we were going to. And from that point, once you get on those fish, it's a, it's a really fast-paced operation. You, you might have time for only two or maybe three casts. And at that point you know, the fish had taken off and all that's left is, you know, scales in the water. We did mark fish under the boat once we got there, but they didn't stick around very long. It was really fast paced, hit them when you can, and then you got to go find them again. We're speaking with Captain Jason Reese from High Count Sports Fishing. Uh, Jason, last year, it seemed like uh, we were also finding a lot of fish underneath the the porpoises. Uh, There were a lot of porpoises out there. Uh, you finding uh, anything happening under the porpoise, or is it all birds? No. Well, on Sunday, we did find some yellowfin that were associated with a school of dolphins with a big pod. And once again, we were able to tell that on the one side of the dolphins, there were uh, a big spot of terns that were picking, and we were actually able to see yellowfin tuna boiling, you know, with those moving dolphins. And like I had said before, we had changed course and went after that part of the school, and we were able to pick off three yellowfin, uh, anywhere from uh, 30, 35, 37 pounds up to about 50 pounds. But uh, that, was, that was the only thing that we saw with those dolphins was the yellowfin, no bluefin. Wow. So these fish now, they, they don't seem to have moved much, or do they seem to be more being concentrated in one area? Or are you seeing a, a little slow movement of these fish going from south to north, or, or, or what's happening right now that, that you can best ascertain? Well, I would say that where we fished over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, you know, we saw that bluefin both days. And on Monday, 
when we went back out, we went to that same area to start the day, and we were there right at daybreak, and there was absolutely nothing there. There was no bird life. There was still bait in the water, but not to the same amount that we saw on Saturday and Sunday. And we started looking around, and we ended up motoring off to another location that I knew had been uh, a place where there had been those big fish spotted. And it seemed like that was a natural progression to go from that area starting the day to the area that we ended up at. And when we got there, yeah, lo and behold, there was there were multiple spots of fish up on the birds, and it was all big fish. Now, whether that stuff is still going to be there in a couple of days, there, there's been a little bit of weather. It's been a little windy out there, which does not help in, you know, the – the ability to, to effectively glass through the binoculars, but I don't think that it's really gone very far. It might just have gone down, but there's definitely been a few different spots, and there were kind of some spots where last year there were fish that's definitely worth looking at. So, you know, if I was somebody that was going out on my own boat, I would kind of go off last year's information and what's already been caught this year and at least take a look at it. You know, it's fishing, not catching. So you got to get out there, and then you got to start doing your work when you get there. All right, we're speaking with Captain Jason Reese from High Count Sports Fishing. Captain Jason, we got a break for one more time. Can you stay with us? Because I want to find out a little bit more about the High Count and some of the amenities on the boat. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Wendy Toshahar and I, we are brought to you by Elko and Ford. We're on rodreelradio.com or at AM540. You can listen to us every Sunday night starting at 5.05. And Rod Real Radio is now available as a podcast that you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for Rod Real Radio and subscribe. You get notices as soon as new episodes are available. Or you can download past shows so you can listen to us at your convenience. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. Captain Jason Reese from High Count Sports Fishing is with us. We'll be back after these messages. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those of you who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Wendy and I, we do want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. We have Captain Jason Reese, owner of uh, High Count Sports Fishing. And again, we invite you to pick up this week's issue of Western Outdoor News on the front cover. You're going to see Jason and the, the crew from the High Count on the cover. And inside is a great article by Merritt McRae and a picture of uh, Alex Roman, one of the passengers with Jason on the, that day with a 243-pound bluefin tuna that he caught on the trip last week. And we're talking with Jason a little bit about some of the techniques they're using to catch some of these fish. You should know firsthand he has been on them for the past couple of months and it looks like it's going to be even longer come this summer captain jason welcome again to rod and reel radio thank you very much hey uh, just a couple of things now uh the high count is a uh, you know a six pack okay you've brought in on this last trip particularly you had four fish three of them that were over 200 pounds tell us a little bit after taking so much of an effort to to uh, catch these fish, how do you take care of them to bring them on back to, to Point Loma for the fishermen? Uh, well, for us aboard the High Count, what we do is we've got insulated fish bags that we're using to put these fish in. Uh, once we get the fish on the boat, we'll bleed them, uh, rinse them off. We'll get them on ice. And depending on the length of the trip, we might even go so far as to gill and get the fish load the body cavity full of ice to help, you know, reduce the internal core temperature. Um, now, whether we're filleting the fish on the boat or it's being brought back to the dock for pictures and then to go to a processor, that's that's basically the care that we put into keeping these fish in primo condition for their ride back to San Diego. Wow, that's got to be something. Uh, what is the response of the processors? Because I know you probably have brought some fish back to them. 
when you come in and you have a 243-pound fish to present to them, they they must be ecstatic over that. Oh, they yeah, they were uh, very helpful in meeting us at the dock uh, and taking those fish for us. Um, like I said before, we've you know tried to incorporate you know techniques from the long-range uh, platform and utilizing them here on our boat. It's just another technique. And the size of the boat really doesn't matter. It's the techniques involved. And what we've done is try to put ourselves into the best possible position to not only catch these fish, but care for them and deliver them back to the dock. You know, last week we had Captain Ron Baker on with us, and he says that the high count is uh, berthed right next to him. Uh, and, you know, Captain Ron, as everyone knows, runs the uh, the Point Loma out there. Tell us a little bit about the high count itself. Well, it's a it's it's a luxury sport fishing boat. It's a six pack charter boat, so we take only up to six passengers. We've got seven bunks on the boat, one for every passenger and one for the crew. On trips that are anywhere from overnight or longer, we've always got a crew of three. That way, there's somebody there's always somebody awake, and during the day while we're fishing, there's always two of us. They're there to help with are up to six passengers. Um, we, we've put a lot of a lot of time into maintaining the vessel and to getting it to where it's at now. And there's still more things that are, you know, on the, the, the drawing board for down the road. But as of right now, um, the boat's set up. We've got two refrigerators. We've got a flat grill where we're able to cook everything from delicious cheeseburgers for lunch to pork loin dinners. We've had tri-tip, uh, lobsters on the boat, um, we've made seared tuna as an appetizer. We've got uh, a microwave, TV, VCR, um, stereo system, er- everything that you could want to make your day, you know, a, a pleasurable one on the water. And uh, it- it's it's a quick boat. We don't we don't go out of our way to drive too fast at night. You know, when you can't see, if you were to bump into something, you you could really do some damage. But I'd rather save the fuel on the way out to be able to burn it tomorrow on the way home if we had to stay longer. And we have had to do that on numerous occasions, and it's paid off. And, you know, it, it, it's definitely something that helps us out where if we had to stay longer, we can definitely do so. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things uh, we've heard that uh, sometimes you can catch the fish first uh, gray light in the morning, but it seems like there has been better fishing later on in the afternoon. And if if you're able to go out on what is more commonly referred to as a day-and-a-half boat where you get a, a full day of fishing, you're really increasing your chances of, of picking up some of these fish. You really are. You're really, Especially right now when the days are so long, you're really adding a lot more hours to your fishing day. Oh my and, man. you know, if, if you're not able to connect first thing in the morning or if you are possibly in a, you know, in a, in a dead area that you're able to, to make a move and get into a better area and still have time, you know, to get the job done. And yeah, the day and a half has been, it's really been a godsend in the past several years, but um, you know, this last year we've had, we we were fortunate to have so much fishing and good fishing very close to home, you know, in basically within 45 miles of Point Loma that, uh, we were catching quality yellowfin and bluefin and wahoo, you know, later in the summer that was very, very close to home. Right. And it sounds like with the maneuverability of the high count, 
if the fish are within 45 miles, you get a chance to see a lot of water and maybe get on a, a lot of fish to increase your chances of catching uh, fish. And it, it sounds like it's a, a great experience. If, if people want to find out more about the high count, check in with you, see what your schedule is, uh, book a trip, uh, Captain Jason. How's the best way to do it? Well, you can either go to our website, which is highcountsportfishing.com. You can take a look at, you know, pictures from, you know, past years. You can, you know, read more information about the boat and about the crew. Uh, you can either do that. Or you can call me directly at 714-809-9772 or contact Point Loma Sport Fishing. And if there's a date that you've got in mind, they'll be able to let you know whether that date's available or not. And the high count, uh, again, how many passengers uh, can it take, minimum, maximum? Uh, the minimum is one. The <laughs> maximum would be six. We've been fortunate enough to have several trips where we've only had two or three. And it's, uh, well, it's essentially like you, me, and Wendy all fishing together, just like we're talking now. And it's the three of us on the boat. It's really something. Wendy, that sounds like a deal. Why, why don't you say uh, uh, maybe we get that together and uh, go out and try it. Uh, I know you're the master of the rail. You think uh, you feel like pulling on one of those 100-pound fish? I sure do. <laughs> hey, Captain Jason, thanks a lot for spending some time with us and, and being so unselfish with uh, the information. Uh, we wish you a great season. We we look forward to seeing you on the water, maybe even being with you. But you know what? Being on the cover of Western Outdoor News, pretty good feather in your cap, Guy. Let, let's see if you can make it happen again. We will sure try, and we're going to continue to get out there and go at them. All right. Captain uh, uh, Jason Reese from uh, High Count Sports Fishing. Captain Jason, thanks a lot for being with us. Hey, Wendy. Just briefly, uh, you know, I want to bring this to the attention of, of our listeners because, man, you were involved with this, and I'm going to be paraphrasing uh, uh, some of the excerpts from an article that uh, I picked up from the California Sports Fishing League. But uh, a week before the uh, California Fish and Game Commission is set to adopt a controversial master plan for the Marine Protection Area, that's the MPAs, Fishermen are trying to get their input in so that uh, um, uh, to the commission and taking them their task for failing to conduct a timely assessment of the MPAs and for disclaiming that any promise was ever made to the recreational fishermen with regards to the bans being lifted in the marine protective areas after dual diligence was done. Despite the fact that no commissioner on this commission has served for any more than 12 months and that the uh, commissioner, the head of the commission, Eric uh, Salcar, he claims that no promise was ever made to restore recreational fishing to the protected waters after the state completed a full assessment of the, P, uh, the MPAs. And here I quote him, I think there was a misconception. I couldn't find anywhere where it was stated that these areas were being protected so that fishing could be restored in these areas. Chairman also goes on to say that may be a result, but I think it is. I think that in the short, medium, or long-range term, that it is highly unlikely that any of the MPA areas are ever going to be open again. Wendy, I know you sat through a lot of those meetings. 
You probably were at every one. You listened to the testimony. What, what, what do you think when you come up with a commissioner of the Fish and Game Commission that, that comes out with a, a statement like this? <laughs> we don't have enough time. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I was a regional stakeholder for the South Coast region, and so was Merritt. And um, from day one, they told us that there was going to be um, – uh, a five-year review, and that I have documentation from Melissa Miller Hansen, who was in charge of um, the process um, for the Department of Fish and Wildlife, as well as um, a, a flyer that they had made that specifically asked the question, will these areas be closed forever? And point blank, it says, no, they will not, does not mean that they will be closed forever. I have, so I have two documents that I sent over to um, CSL, and um, they also have a letter that's going to the commissioners that um, all of us regional stakeholders signed, um, because that is not what they said. And, and for them to say that and not even be there, they should turn around, they should sit down and watch all of the videos that were recorded by C-SPAN, right? Well, or right whatever now, the company was. Right now, they're looking at a master plan where we were promised that uh, there would be a review every uh, five years of uh, the closures. Now, the master plan says that there will be no review after this first five years, and that they are going to adopt an every ten-year review of these of, of these closures, but. Nowhere is there any way to say how these are going to be financed, assessed, managed, or anything. So, you know, well, it part just... of this process, when they implemented this process, they had to have enforcement and they had to have the science behind this, and they don't have either one of them. So, this whole thing should be null and void. So the state of California is trying to do whatever they can to take away not only these areas, but more areas. This is why it's important that uh, you get together with groups like the Coastal Conservation Association of California. They're having their next membership meeting at uh, Bay City Brewing Company in San Diego here on Hancock Street. It is going to be happening June the 29th from 6 to 8.30. It's going to be a membership drive, but you're also going to give an update on what's happening or go to the California Sports Fishing League at CaliforniaSportsFishingLeague.org. Get the latest what's happening. Find out what you can do to help us fishermen keep from being closed out of any fishing at all up and down our close. Now, coast. John, it's, yes. This, this coming week, this Wednesday and Thursday, um, there is a Department of Fish and Game Commission meeting in Bakersfield. So it's important if you guys listening could write letters to the Fish and Game Commission, that would be great, or even your congressmen, your assemblymen, um, and write letters. We, we need all the help we can. All right, Wendy. Hey, thanks a lot for your input tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this Father's Day edition of Rod and Reel Radio. On behalf of Stan, Wendy, and myself, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McEwen, we appreciate you listening tonight. Have a happy Father's Day. We look forward to seeing you on the water. As Kevin Minio used to say, go out there and get them. They're getting away. Good night, everybody. We're out. Really loud. I'm wishing... I could be that kind
Shall I twist your arm? I'd say no more work for my...